Hey everyone, welcome to episode number four of the Rugby Strength Coach podcast. This is Keir from RugbyStrengthCoach.com. Today's guest is uh, all the way from Belfast in Northern Ireland. It's um, Greg Bradley from EFP Gyms. So um, Greg, you haven't got a lot of time. Let's just uh, jump straight into it. Do you want to kind of introduce yourself to people on the podcast and tell them what you're all about? No problem, yeah. Thanks, Keir. Uh, yeah, so I'm in Sydney now at the minute. We've been... Uh, Hanging out uh, quite a lot, doing some training, and uh, sick of uh, looking at each other. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Uh, yeah, so as you said, based in Belfast, um, involved in. Oh, nearly fell off my seat. <laughs> nervous, nervous. Um, involved in a couple of companies. Name one would be EFD Gyms, would manufacture uh, gym equipment and specialise in designing gyms predominantly for first time or independent gym owners or um, sports teams as well, be it professional or um, amateur teams, so I suppose some people, a lot of people ask, you know, what, well, why, why are you different from any other company and some people say they're a little bit expensive, which I don't believe, but I suppose it's all about just maximizing their space and kind of getting everything given the best return one of the biggest things that I, I would pride myself in is having a, a fairly decent business knowledge um, so that you know, all I really care about or my main concern is clients getting the best return of investment um, on the facility so uh, it's almost becoming almost like a service as opposed to just selling products online Know, we try and get quite deep into people's business so that's a great idea though because it's kind of like just because you've got the equipment you know the phrase all the gear no idea like you can have all the equipment it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to know the best way to use it or to get the most out of it yeah. and that's where a lot of facilities need some uh, guidance yeah there's a lot of uh, and I would say I don't want to be like criticizing potential customers but there's so many mistakes that people can make in terms of uh equipment choice yeah. or even the business model and you're uh, saving the money when you do that see, the yeah definitely say I have a few clients and you know um, do a lot of education on what's working and you know that's what I want clients to get the best return on investment yeah. as well um, because then I mean I'd say 60% of the business comes from a referral network because people know you have their best interests at yeah. heart um, and it's actually nearly uh, an anti-sales approach where some people come with like a wish list of maybe 50 or 100k when really you don't need that yeah. now so uh, ah, and that's obviously that that is going to help the relationship when people know that you're not just in it to sell as much gear as yeah, possible yeah, as it's like possible. you know you want the best if anything it's nearly less is more um, yeah. as opposed to putting in the worst thing you can do at any time is put way too much equipment in um, yeah. and essentially that was what uh we did predominantly in Ireland was disrupt the market where equipment companies were just, uh, they weren't being challenged um, and it was just a case of putting as many generally cardio and resistance machines in as possible and if it was any strength work it was uh, predominantly uh, just out of the box kind of uh, racks. So, uh, well mate, you'd be surprised, I mean that happens at the elite level as well. So yeah. I've heard of uh, a team that went into an Olympic training centre yeah. Uh, where like the athletes were prepping for an Olympic Games, and the first thing they had to do was was clear out half a million bucks worth of fixed resistance machines to actually you know, say like you know 
we've got all this space let's yeah. use it let's put in racks and you know like yeah. like you said it's not necessarily the equipment it's how you use it and getting the most out of the space yeah. so I should say as well that you know Greg's giving you like the real modest introduction there like seriously if you're in the UK or Ireland or even Europe definitely check out his products because he's absolutely killing it at the moment and um, it, it's no accident you know he's doing really good business and people are really happy with, with what he's doing so definitely check him out do you want to kind of kind of give people an insight into how you got into you know EFP gyms and, and how you grew the company and kind of a little bit of history about that oh yeah just basically I went to university and studied actually uh, sports science but uh, it was communication advertising marketing um, and just uh, my, my own Gaelic club uh, I'd got a grant for a gym and I had I just knew the stuff they got wasn't A1 and they kind of were taking advantage of a little. So then it was a fairly lean startup. Uh, rang a couple of gyms at this stage, didn't have any equipment, selling fresh air, I'm very transparent and uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably shouldn't mention it, but uh, just very lean startup approach, which is always a very good way um, in, in hindsight. But uh, I just knew there was a demand for quality equipment and it was quite hard to get in Ireland. Yeah. Um, managed to get win a couple of good contracts between uh, done quite a lot with intercounty Gaelic teams. Um, and then I suppose the big one was installing the gym for Ulster Rugby was always a, 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 yeah. a big one to get. Do you still have the, the video for that on your site? Uh, I think there may be some. Sometimes it's quite tricky to promote certain projects. A lot of the projects, yeah. actually, some most of a lot of them you can't actually promote just for different reasons. If, yeah. uh, if another company you're actually doing the work for them, or it's quite because I'm always, you know, I always like post up a bit of gym porn and stuff. Like yeah. you've posted up the University of Oregon gym and stuff yeah. like that, and just also rugby for rugby yeah. is. Yeah, that's probably the gym porn example. It is, and uh, I've obviously spoke with a couple of other rugby SNC coaches, and they're a little bit envious. But uh, in terms of rugby union, it, it, it's up there, so it is. Uh, it's a good space. But them winning projects in England, that, for me, that's the biggest thing. Um, obviously, the fact that it's based in Ireland and Belfast is. Is, is great and I love working with intercounty teams and stuff there but when you're actually doing work outside of uh, Ireland like Brighton and Hove is a big one to yeah, win big uh, you know and it's it's kind of uh, a big confidence booster when you're kind of doing that but like to work on big teams like that for me it's great for the CV and maybe a tiny bit of an ego booster yeah, but yeah. It, my main passion is always working with first time kind of gym openers because I just love seeing people live their dream and you know yeah. the knock on effect of that of people changing lives whether it's maybe a sports performance facility or just personal training yeah. is uh, it's very reward, rewarding you know Mate, it's, so. it's funny you should say that because obviously you know I've I've worked with kids worked with adults yeah. within, within professional rugby and you know not just my experience, you talk to other coaches as well, and they say that often, although it's not the ego boost of working for you know, an international team or a, a professional adult team, yeah. it's a lot more rewarding to work with the kids because you know yeah. they've got like skin in the game and you're actually making a difference to someone's life, whereas a professional team, it, sometimes it's a revolving door with staff, and like yeah. you said, 
they're going to spend the money regardless. Like, yeah. it's not an investment like it is for an individual gym owner. Like, yeah, it's, a, it's a big deal. And it's, a, it's a huge, you know, like, a, it's tough. Like, the industry's tough as well. And again, that's maybe one of the reasons I've done quite well is that, you know, when you are really trying to add as much value and, you know, get people to check out different. Like, one of the main problems, and again, I'm not slagging or disrespecting anyone, but when you're opening a gym, like again, a lot of it can be kind of hurt overhead. And like a lot of fitness professionals, and I'm the same. I just made the mistake, you know, build it and they will come. You know, that, that yeah. doesn't work. Like the yeah. industry is way too competitive. Sure, there's outliers. And it's out getting there. more and more competitive. Yeah, right? it is. Like the barrier's never been so low to open a gym between low property prices. Uh, equipment's more available. Even not, though we're in Sydney, low property prices. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not in Sydney, yeah. but uh, in other places, uh, predominantly UK, Ireland, you know, yeah. you can. Um, and obviously, box gyms are very popular, warehouse gyms. Uh, so it is competitive. So definitely the big thing I always get, I try and get uh, clients to work on mainly is business. And so many people will build failure into their business by kind of trying to cut corners and um, again it's not a sales pitch but I mean if, if you're trying to open a gym and your gym is very disjointed and you've kind of cheaped out a little bit in the equipment and that and then you're struggling to get clients to come in and stuff you know like people aren't stupid you know if they can tell that you've invested something that looks quite smart they're yeah. going to have more confidence in even to the untrained of, eye you can tell shit equipment from, from yeah equipment. but on the flip side of that, like, you know, you don't need Alico equipment. Like, yeah. the client doesn't know what Alico is, but yeah. you do want the kind of, like, I'm a big fan, and to be honest, that was one of the main strengths, is when you're able to customize equipment to fit their brand, yeah. that just, like, increases their brand equity straight away. Like, Dan uh, Kennedy, Market Genius, will talk about, yeah. you know, like, if you can kind of have all of that in terms of your brand and I can't remember the exact uh, expression is it like congruency kind of thing yeah congruency um, and just allows you to command uh, a a better price so which people should like I mean that's one of the biggest problems for uh, a lot of gym owners are actually undercharging for their services but I can see it from both sides where you know from a customer's point of view where they're asking you know why would I spend Fifty pound a month, and you can't some, even spend yeah, this on your equipment, that, or make the the place like even charge like you have to invest in all of this as well. Yeah. Because if you want to command that premium price, which I do encourage people to do, yeah. is take that training centric approach as opposed to going down the route of uh, as many members as possible. As yeah, because yeah, that, that doesn't work. So, uh, and if you, I suppose, if you look at the way that the industry is going as well, like you said, with more box gyms and. Yeah. training warehouses yeah. people are getting away from that you're not opening gyms now where they're trying to get 3,000 members no. 2,000 of which never turn up it's yeah. like you know you want a couple of hundred people that are yeah. going to be in there day in day out and that's all you need 150 uh, members maybe a tiny bit more you could probably sometimes even work off less like I would be I've got very friendly with Tom Plummer um, who is for me one of the the best kind of fitness business consultants he's been in the industry longer than anyone and I had the joy of spending five days with him last year. I had countless phone calls with him. And, you know, he his business model, and he talks about a number, and this is 
I know your audience is mainly strength and conditioning coaches, but oh, mate, you yeah, are, there's a lot of people out there that own facilities. Yeah, have facilities, but he'll talk about the number eight being key. Like you need to get people into your gym eight times a month, or their attention's just not there. So really, that's okay. one of the key ones. And he's again, and the results are going to be shit as well if they're not coming eight it, times a yeah, month. Yeah, definitely, and they'll not refer. So like, there's so many little things, but definitely, I would check out Plumber's model. It's a very, very successful. Um, system and for me it's one of the most impressive I've seen there's a lot of people following it out there as well and maybe I'm giving them credit you know or it's been diluted across through different um, businesses but uh, I'm not saying it's the only way to do business there's lots of different ways to skin uh, skin a cat but for me it's uh, yeah yeah, well from from our conversations of, of you know talking about his approach and various aspects of it it was weird because before we had those conversations, I kind of thought back to when I was doing when I was doing more personal training. When yeah. I was doing my best, it was almost by accident replicating those principles. So you know, I'd say definitely I would echo what you're saying. Anyone who is a personal trainer or doing private business to, to check that kind of stuff out. Yeah, so um, let's uh, let's talk about the the process you adopt with your business and how you go about kind of building a gym. Do you want to take us from day one to yeah. giving them the keys, kind of thing? No problem, yeah, so it's kind of, a lot of people come kind of ask, you know, like, how much does it cost to open a gym, which is kind of like, uh, how long is a piece of string, but generally what the process would be, would be jump on either a, a Skype call, I mean, uh, I'll never forget getting out, a, or designing a gym in uh, in Romania, uh, yeah. which actually hasn't been Promoter at this time of recording, but I was in Dublin. I was actually at the Tom Plummer event, and yeah. uh, a guy was recommended by a friend. Um, so we set up a Skype, and I was in a hotel in Dublin, and we just did a, a screen recording. He was able to show me a floor plan and some images, um, so that can be done, you know, uh, satellite, uh, or I can go on site sometimes. For the, for the big contracts uh, <laughs> depends if, if it's you know convenient then I do yeah. like I, I flew to London and London's probably second home you know really um, we go there quite a lot it's always good to get on site but it's not required um, and then it's just a case of generally would spend maybe an hour on the phone or other clients spending days upon days all of them just you know either meetings and it's finding everything out about their kind of business model and what they want to do where they're at um, and then we would obviously then put together a bit of a quote and, and that's going to have an impact on how you design the gym based on what kind of business they're running yeah, this that's is, interesting the main business model would be would be kind of going down you're hitting different tiers so you would have you know the, the low cost kind of traditional membership and you'll have your large group team training which may integrate uh, a rig, a wall-mounted rig, or a freestanding one. I mean, the rigs, to be honest, are, like, for the price point, what you can do with them is is crazy. And they've just become so much more popular, Everyone. probably as a result of CrossFit. You know? Yeah, like, CrossFit definitely has, you know, yeah. helped that. Um, and, like, they are, they're very affordable, and essentially they're going to last you a long time. Um, and then you have a bit of small group training again. It's all about leveraging your time as a business owner. Yeah. And one to one is not my personal preference, but again, economics like there is a small 
amount of people that will pay you. You just need to make sure you. that you're charging enough to enough. make it worth your while. Yeah, kind of thing. because it's win-win if people yeah. don't pay you for it. Like, I mean, it's grand. If you don't that's want one it. of the things I think, like, having done commercial PT, that's one of the biggest problems about commercial personal training is that there's a huge turnover and I think people realise that within like a traditional gym like so, you know 3,000 members there's only a thousand that are turning up yeah. there's a tiny fraction that want one to one PT yeah. uh, that are going to pay that amount of money and it's just it's shit a, <laughs> it's a very tough system when you're involved yeah. one to one PT you're maybe new to the industry you're doing one to one you can't actually charge very much money because everyone else charges yeah yeah um so yeah i don't recommend people doing it to start that's yeah. how i started you know yeah. and i i went in there in october there were six new people by january i was the only one left you know? yeah. which is probably through dumb luck and just like keep turning up but. well yeah you were very you know resilient but i mean most other people maybe wouldn't have lasted that long yeah but now how you things have changed when you have more business knowledge you leverage your time I mean if I was to ask you for an hour of your time now I can't imagine it would be I'll give you three <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but, um, but yeah so essentially then the process would be um, you can then put together a CAD design so you can again that can be used to either uh, secure funding or pre-sale memberships and I'll let you see exactly what equipment to scale will fit in there so okay. people love cars I don't know what it is but I, I like them too but do you reckon it's because it's as close as they can get to actually seeing, seeing it, it touching yeah. it and, well not yeah. touch it but and some you know people I mean. are, are crazy for them which is is good um, yeah. they are very time intensive as well because, oh really yeah I mean you're talking maybe a day uh, for the designer to be doing them and then you're talking maybe 24 hours they need to render and stuff it depends to what level you yeah. want to do and this is just the images or the like the video tours because I uh, is it right you did one for Ulster uh, for a video tour was done for W10 performance and, uh, okay. and it was it was a little bit more expensive again there's a lot more would go into that but just for the images uh, yeah but they are definitely worth doing and then from there it's a case of uh delivery and or installation and you did uh, the installation as well yeah again maybe only about 10 percent. most of the okay. kind of high performance sports teams will do the installations um just because it's good to be cool or near <laughs> professional yeah, sports yeah. teams but now again you can do installations it just depends uh for what people want so that's pretty much it and then just other added value stuff that would do is you know like I literally if someone does become a client especially and this sounds a little bit bad but again just totally transparent like top spending clients uh, are referring like it's always in my best interest to be trying to constantly look out for them because like anyone who refers to client to me that you get the Amazon voucher ASOS voucher yeah. send them a book that's it that's just how business works you yeah. know so like like if I see something that I think will uh, improve their business or if they want like I put people in touch with a white label and supplement company so they can get their own brand of supplements for a low cost yeah. out there because I want them to make their business as successful as possible and potentially they may open up another site or if not I mean, there is a reason that over 50 to 60% is coming through referral is because I'm always trying to yeah. look after them. So. It's that kind of 
is it Zig Ziglar help enough people in life get what they want they'll help them get yeah, what yeah, you want yeah I do so um, that's pretty much the process you know so so a lot of people who listen to this will either be personal trainers strength coaches who maybe want to open their own facility mm-hmm. or you know for the, the vast majority of coaches within a professional strength and conditioning club the budget's fucking terrible to be honest yeah. my budget yeah. at Rotherham when I was there was 500 quid <laughs> which went on supplements and it went on uh, PVC pipe yeah. that was pretty much it so obviously a lot of people listen to this do not have a lot of money what would your top tips be in terms of how to stretch a budget or maybe top piece of equipment that they need to look at to try and make that money go further and also you know get the maximum value out of it yeah so I'll have different like I kind of work on a, a hierarchy of needs essentially I've a bit of a, a chart that I'll work with so if yeah. someone only has a very small budget the biggest thing I always say to people is like equipment is like you know the person the, the actual trainer is you know you're better spending your money there as yeah. opposed to you know having all this fancy equipment because yeah. the key person to everything is the staff and the trainers and so this is just assuming that there is going to be a quality S&C coach or personal trainer involved um, equipment wise I'm a big fan of dumbbells like your biggest cost when getting out of the gym is going to be probably a floor um, really Lauren eats away at a lot of budget, so it does. Um, And then dumbbells are quite expensive, but on the flip side, I mean, the options are are countless. So with dumbbells, they pretty much last for a lifetime. Would you ever advocate power blocks, or would you say, you know, get those? Power blocks. Personally, like, economically, it would make sense to me for that, but I absolutely fucking hate power blocks. You don't like them? No, I hate them. Initially, I didn't like them, uh, and then I had them. I had them in. At a gym below my apartment, and uh, and I actually did like them, and I kind of actually quite like like um, Google do it and Exos do it. They have a little kiosk for each gym, uh, yeah. station, which I think works. And their well. systems, yeah, it's not systems. perfect, but it's pretty close to it. It's yeah. awesome. And there's a fairly strong warranty. I'm pretty sure there's a lifetime warranty with the power blocks, but I do appreciate they look gimmicky. For home gyms, I generally try and push people towards power blocks yeah. just because. They're so uh, yeah, yeah. And they're efficient. So, um, but generally, power blocks wouldn't be for a high performance, and they wouldn't yeah. be my first port of call. Other than that, I mean, if if the athletes have a good training age, you know, getting some good barbells and uh, bumper plates. Again, my philosophy is, you know, you're better just trying to buy once as opposed to buying, uh, you know. Like if you go cheap, you know, it's just going to end up costing you longer in the long term. If you buy right, you buy once. That's it. So I try and obviously have a slightly longer warranty. So like breaks and that will come with a lifetime structural warranty on them. Um, Other than that, like I like getting, it all depends on the budget and obviously the sport. So very quickly, like after a a 15 minute phone call, I could very quickly say if I was in your shoes, I would yeah. do this, this, and that. So let's say, for example, average garage gym, average yeah. garage, a few grand to spend, what are you going to spend your money on? I would say a little one day um, wall mounted rig, which is basically just a, a squat rack that goes against the wall. You can do it to the floor. So, like you've seen a lot of CrossFit places, it's kind yeah. of like a mixture of a, a rack and a place to do. Yeah, well, the big thing, what's kind of actually paid off and sports teams love and personal trainers so like all the rigs um, have been designed to be totally modular so that 
and then they can come with the attachments. So again, I'm just obsessed with space. Like space is your biggest asset for me. It's exactly what Nick Grantham said when I uh, interviewed him on the old site. <laughs> yeah, like it, for me, it's you know I would rather, and I've had clients, and you mentioned about the Olympic uh, yeah, team yeah. there. They'll just go in and just like I say to people, uh, it's relatively controversial, but sometimes I'm like, look, just get rid of all of this machines and, yeah. uh, and cardio. And I've seen too many companies and I'm not in the industry of bad marketing other companies yeah. but they have just like for me it's borderline unethical like they're like they put equipment in that should never have been near it yeah. um, I don't know if it was just they weren't educated or they just you know they maybe at that stage there wasn't as much competition but for me it's all about having space I would rather have no equipment as opposed to having yeah. a lot of too that equipment eating away the space you would know? you say in a way also you know, if there's a machine taking up space, that space that a, a potential client can be taken up. Definitely. I mean, yeah. like some of the work you can do with body weight, some bands, a couple of kettlebells, yeah. and, you know, even a strip of grass and a crowder, you know, again, it's, it's very hard to like say this is the best way to do things. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm not like anti-cardio, you know, again, like 77% of people in general pop expect to see treadmills yeah. and, and cardio so there's a little bit of give and take there you know you can't just be like oh sell them what they want yeah give them what they need that's it you know yeah. but again if people like people do want to go and do uh like that's the invitation today to be honest i'd have probably have rather maybe went for a spin <laughs> session yeah. or something you know so um I thought you handled it well, given your uh, the partying for the last few days. <laughs> it was St. Patrick's Day, in fairness. So uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a good little session we did. So that's awesome. So what's uh, what's in the future for EFP? Um, I don't know. Cards, if I want cards to be close totally, to the chest. <laughs> totally honest. I think it's literally a case of you know um, just scaling out a little bit yeah. of. Um, to the world or you know Europe potentially well the plan was before obviously I've been in Australia here and had some good meetings with a couple of good companies and met some uh, good coaches so that's going to be explored a little bit further um, and look I, I don't know I say I've said it three times in this call that I'm transparent you know but I it, it potentially is a place that we would look at a lot more probably in, in the UK um, yeah. and a little bit more in, in Europe as well, so there is some good projects in the in the pipeline. Um, I can't maybe just outline just yet, but um, a couple of clients now that are going to be rolling out a couple of sites, and which is it's good to see, um, especially when they're coming back to you as well. Yeah, it means you did a good job. Yeah, so definitely, and getting to that stage, I mean, I've had discussions with a few different companies and markets that I literally just had said now I'll never do business there really and just uh, well America's one like America was one that I just didn't think would ever uh, you just think it's a too already saturated market I mean, look, there's some great companies there yeah. Rogue uh, Elite FTS Perform Better I mean there's some amazing companies there but like which I had just straight away off the but not I, worth you while to compete in a yeah it's just very hard you know what's going to be your unique differentiator but there obviously is something there but I mean I'll, I remember maybe 18 months ago saying oh, I'm never going to do anything in England 
England, you know, but like, that's, that's what fascinates me and that's my main passion is business, you know, like, obviously equipment is a, it's a nice little, uh, equi- yeah, it's great working there, but like, just your mindset just changes constantly, you know, you get, uh, yeah. Yeah, you got people biting your hand off now to do to do gyms in the UK, kind of thing. Not biting your hand. Come on! Off, but, uh, like it is good when someone will say to you, "Look, I'm not even going to get quotes from somewhere else." Um, I mean, that's because it is a quote intensive. You know, there is quite a lot of like people trying to knock you down. Yeah, and get down. But when someone says that to you, you know, they know they obviously have quite a lot of trust, and that's why. I do do quite a lot of marketing because, like, that's one thing. And people, again, personal trainers don't like selling and that. But if you can get a decent knowledge of marketing, it just actually just makes you don't need, you need to sell less. So, and that's why I always encourage people, you know, to learn the fundamentals of marketing because, like, all marketing is a storytelling. And if you can tell a good story that people can relate to then they will come to you and they're not going to be like, oh, give me a, a discount or... And it's not necessarily hard selling. Like marketing's probably just making people aware that perhaps they've got a, a problem that yeah. you can solve and you're the person to solve it for. That's it. Yeah. All marketing is literally storytelling. I mean, that's what I think Joe Polish talks Seth about. Seth Godin as well. Seth Godin. Yeah. I mean, two total legends. Sell ice to the Eskimos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, again... I'm a huge uh, like market is my main passion. Mate, you put in some like some serious, serious hours in like in terms of getting your business out there to people and making sure they know who you are. Like, well, mate, you talk to everyone. You talk to trainers, coaches, gym owners. Like, yeah, you like get it. around. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> but again, like I just think the industry should talk a lot more. Like, I've got friends that are bodybuilders. Like, I don't. Understand what they think, you know. Yeah. It's nothing. It's like my foreign, worst. Yeah, yeah. But you know, again, I'll just learn anything. Like I do have a, a very a huge thirst of knowledge or foreknowledge, um, and I, I think I've got a, a good filter in terms of you know good people to follow. But it's um, yeah, probably not working a little bit too much. But uh, I think it kind of has to be done, and especially when like. I mean, I came out here to Australia. Initially, it was kind of, I'll do a little bit of work, and then it's actually... And, mate, you came out here on a uh, week's notice, wasn't it? Yeah, you it was just said, Fuck probably it, no, like I... three or four days. And, wow. Uh, <laughs> I originally had a plan, but then changed the plan, and then... Uh, and you bullied me up, into going to the same yeah, event we went to. <laughs> yeah, we went to a conference and stuff, and then ended up just... Uh, yeah, probably haven't taken a day off, so probably need another holiday after this holiday, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Now it's all been good, so it's been a, a worthwhile trip. So, so just kind of, you know, a little, little tidbit for people to take away from that. Who would you say are the best people to listen to, to to learn about marketing themselves and, and that aspect of things? Because I've I've said it a lot in the seminars that you know, I did one at your place. Yeah. That even if you're not as a personal trainer in the industry, if you're a strength and conditioning coach, a, a huge amount of what you do is still marketing yourself and making sure that the right people know who you are. So who, who would you say to listen to in that regard? To be honest, I'd probably say maybe listen to less people, like less is more. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that's one thing I do. I mean, one of the biggest things, so if you want a couple of actionable tips for people yeah. to actually um, just be more productive and like, it's so easy. I've spent way too long consuming and not creating. And we, we just talked about this today. <laughs> just before this uh, 
call. I mean, you need to create, and you need to put yourself out there. Like, I have people laugh in my face. You probably have a lot of people laugh in your face, yeah. like, which you have to do. But yeah. like, if you don't put yourself out there, I mean, like, like Mike Boyd, all these guys, yeah. you know, they are marketing machines as well. Um, and unfortunately, that is like marketing is a bit of a, a dirty word, but people to um, to follow again. Seth Godin, I love marketing as a podcast that I'm a big fan of. Um, and to be honest, well, I'm a big fan of getting a mentor. But if you can't afford a mentor, I mean, even you give tips about taking people out for lunch and stuff, and you're trying anyone to add, listening in life, I love lunch. Yeah, you're just adding value. Like you know, you can't. Don't ask the people to pick their brain because they're going to be asked that hundreds of times, and it's the worst way to do it. If you can kind of add some value um, and take them out for so even if it is just buying somebody coffee, yeah, you know, definitely. Um, and then the big thing you need to just try and get in control as well, and, and be very, very strict with your time. I mean, the big thing, and I'm obsessed with, is getting in control of your. And you've talked to me of control of your inbox. I mean, that's one. Just the day I got Time my vacuum. <laughs> inbox to zero, like honestly, I felt like I won the lottery. It was just really? like the best feeling ever. So there's so many like systems and little hacks that I'm obsessed with that you do need to get in control. Um, I think yeah. that's the common theme of kind of like talking to you in this podcast and knowing you a bit better over the last few months. It's just fucking obsession. Yeah. And I'm probably the same when it comes to coaching. Is you have to do it every day and every day you have to try and find a, a way to make it a little bit better and just refine it and keep it's going again and again and again constant. I hate that cliche about Aizen uh, or constant improvement yeah you know? the Japanese yeah. it's true um, yeah. and then just the other thing for me is it's just a total passion and just business in general and obviously it ties in with the equipment but that's a big thing like the, the lines are very blurred for me you know in terms of what's work and what's not like, oh yeah well I tell people if you get to wear shorts to work it's not a real job yeah. see I'm, I'm lucky in that regard yeah. I guess you are as well yeah, definitely definitely cool. but I actually have another uh, oh you do yeah I need to get okay, on here quickly so. where can people find you uh, I suppose the main place would be the URL is uh, efpgym.com um, you can probably find me personally on Facebook it's just Gregory Bradley um, that's probably I don't actually have my own personal website uh, <laughs> Or else you could maybe get me on Twitter as well, but kind of floating about there. Try not to spend too much time on Facebook. Uh, I suppose that would be another tip, but that could turn into a huge round. Yeah, so, well, uh, cool, mate. I'll let you go. Uh, thanks very much. No problem. Thank you Cheers. very much. Cheers.